Uh, let's see, this semester we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a large group, by the way. We meet every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Um, and each semester we typically pick a book of the Bible and just kind of work our way through it. Uh, and so this semester we've been looking at Ecclesiastes, a funky little book in the Old Testament. Uh, do you know who Bono is? Okay, good. I was really worried for a second. Uh, it would have been sad if you didn't. So Bono, the lead singer of U2, said that this is actually one of his favorite books, is Ecclesiastes. Uh, and there's a really interesting article about him talking about it. It's really cool. Anyway, uh, tonight we're looking at chapter 11. Um, chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 7 and go through chapter 12 to verse 7. So 11, 7 to 12, 7. It's not a ton. Don't freak out. Uh, if, if you have any point this semester wondered, man, what would the writer of Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> like, what would he say to someone my age? Like, what would he say to a college student? Like, what kind of advice would he give a college student? This passage may be the answer to that question. Like, this is a great passage for young people. Uh, and so, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read... Uh, the first part of this, so just follow along with me, just verses 7 to 10 and 11, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll get going, and we'll get into 12 later, okay? It just kind of breaks up better that way. And so, starting in chapter 11, verse 7, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's the passage is in every chair. It's everywhere. And so if your friend looks like he doesn't have it, you can hand it to him, okay? You can pass it around, share, share the will. Uh, so, 11, verse 7. It says, light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However, many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us, uh, that you are not a God who hides, but you are very much present with us, even now. Um, And you want to be known. Uh, and so I pray that, that we would hear you speak through this passage, that your spirit would work. Uh, most of all, would we see Jesus and worship him. We pray in his name. Amen. Man, it's hot up in here. Mm. Sorry about that. Uh, this past weekend, Easter weekend, I'm sure all of you were traveling, burning up the roads. Uh, this past weekend, we took a spontaneous trip to Alabama. That's where I'm from originally, Roll Tide. And so we went to see our families. And, uh, and my dad said something I never thought I would hear my dad say. Blew my mind. He said, I'm done hunting. Now, uh, What you got to understand is my dad has been a deer hunter his whole life. We're talking close to six decades of deer hunting. He's not a very good hunter. He's really not. No, he's really not. Uh, Actually, not a good deer hunter. Uh, 
But he is one of the most dedicated deer hunters I've ever known. I grew up around this stuff. Uh, one of the most dedicated. Some of the best memories of my dad, and I mean, I've got some good ones, some really funny ones, um, involve deer hunting. So he's like Mr. Magoo, just some story about him deer hunting. And so when he said, like, hey, Brian, I'm, I'm done hunting, like, it made me pause for a second. Like, it kind of caught me by surprise as I was, like, I was just sitting there, like, drinking some Starbucks out of some grandma cup, you know. I was like, what? Um, I said, really, Dad? Uh, kind of in disbelief. And, and he said, it's just not the same anymore. Some of you are tearing up. I can see it in Logan's eyes. Um, he said, it's just not the same anymore. And I was like, what, what, do you, like, what, what do you mean? And he was like, man, I'm getting old. I was like, Whoa. And so it's funny, I'm at this stage in my life, um, Jessica is too, I mean, we both are, when people in our family are <clears throat> getting noticeably older, I mean, like, you see it. Um, it's not just a number, you know, and you wish them happy birthday. Like, you see the age. You see it happening. You see them growing older. And, um, and something, uh, when I'm around them, that I think often is, Man, don't waste my youth. Like, don't waste your youth. That thought will go through my mind. Uh, don't waste your youth. It's, like, it's, it's something I've actually heard people in my family say. Older people in my family, don't waste your youth, Brian. Um, and they say it in a lot of different ways, but that's essentially what they're getting at. And that's exactly what this passage is about. Don't, it, it's, it's telling us to not waste our youth, because we have a tendency to do that very thing, um, the tendency to waste our youth. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, it's easy to kind of wish years away, always wishing years away. <clears throat> you can't wait till you graduate. Guess what? That's four years of your life that you are speeding up, and you will never get back. Um, you know, uh, have a license if you want to go back to high school. Uh, I can't wait till I turn 21. I can drink a margarita or whatever you want to do, right? But I can't wait till I turn 21. I can't wait till I get a real job. Uh, those are all good things, noble things. Uh, I can't wait till my kids are out of diapers. That's just me. Um, and so anyway, but the, the reality is, is like we're kind of consumed with getting older, you know, like, and whatever older, older offers us. Um, I mean, just think about the things you long for right now. What's the, what's the thing you want most? Um, the things you long for, I bet, involve getting older. I'd be so surprised how many of you, what you said, if it didn't involve you actually getting older years on down the road. Um, and if we're not careful, what we do is we waste our youth. Because there's always some other milestone that we're kind of anticipating, that we're looking to. We don't live in the moment and enjoy that. And so the author, what he's going to do is he's not telling us to, to not grow up and to um, just be lazy and live in your parents' basement, okay? Not what he's saying. Uh, but what he is going to encourage us to do is to not waste our youth. And he's going to tell us to do three things. Um, <laughs> rejoice. He's going to tell us to rejoice. He's going to tell us to remove uh, and to remember. That's all in the passage. I didn't have to come up with that. It's so smooth. It's right there. Thank you, Solomon. All right, so let's dive in to the first thing. He's going to tell us to rejoice. 
Uh, verses, if you want to look, verses 7 and 8 is basically saying it's good to be alive. And however many years you live, enjoy all of them. Now what's amazing is this is the, se- the seventh and final time in Ecclesiastes we are commanded. This is a command. It's an imperative in Hebrew, okay? It's serious stuff. Uh, we are commanded to enjoy life the seventh time just in the book of Ecclesiastes. And then he gets real specific in verse 9. What does he say? He says, be happy, young man, while what? you are young. Uh, the ESV, which is another translation that I like, uh, it says, literally, rejoice. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Like, that's really clear. Okay, rejoice in my youth. I, need, I probably need to work on that, right? Um, but then, the second part of verse 9 should make you stop and think, because it's kind of strange. Uh, I mean, just look at, look at it. Um, I'll read it to you. The second part of verse 9 says, Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. And that's confusing because there are a number of other places in the Old Testament. One, for example, is in Numbers 15. There's a little verse in there, 39, I believe. Literally tells you not to do those two things. It literally says those exact things, the exact two things, do not do them. Um, there's other places in the Old Testament like uh, uh, Jeremiah 17, which is this gnarly prophet, right? He says the heart is deceitful above all things. And so when you read a passage like this, what is he saying to us? Well, the, like the Bible doesn't contradict itself, and so it forces you to like stop and think, okay, well, what's, what's another way to understand this passage? Um. And, uh, and maybe, let's just keep talking, maybe we'll get there. Uh, he's, so he's telling us, live life to the fullest. But, he, but not to the point of like mindless self-indulgence, okay? That's not what he's talking about. He's not telling you to do whatever you want, do whatever makes you happy, you know? And you see that because there's a warning at the end of verse 9. He says, but no... That for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. And so he's, he's reminding us, yeah, enjoying life is something like we should do, but not without boundaries, not without godly boundaries. Um, he's like telling us, it's kind of like this combination. He's like, rejoice responsibly because you will have to answer to God one day, right? I mean, that's, that's good. That's good advice. Like, that's good counsel. Uh, so, rejoice, right, over your youth, um, but not without boundaries. Let's keep going. Another thing he's going to tell us to do is remove, like remove stuff while we're young. Um, so, after he tells us to rejoice in the days of our youth, he tells us to, if you look at 11 verse 10, he tells us to remove anxiety. Remove anxiety and put away the troubles of your body. Uh, a pastor, he's actually he was a former pastor, president of Wheaton College. I don't know if you ever heard of that school. It's in, up around Chicago. Anyway, uh, this guy named Philip Ryken is the president. And he says with these words in verse 10, the writer is advising us to eliminate the bad things in our life that trouble our bodies and our souls right now while we are young, Right? 
Uh, I think verse 10 is extremely important. Uh, in this whole section we're looking at tonight, um, especially for you, for young people in college. And let me put it another way, kind of like, this is my own, this is like my own paraphrase of verse 10. Deal with your junk right now. That's what he's saying. Deal with your junk right now. Deal with your junk while you're young. Because the things you're not dealing with now will, can possibly destroy you later. And that is real. I am seeing that stuff unfold in my own life now. People that did not deal with things, I saw it when we were in college, we're friends, and their life's unraveling now that they're in their mid-30s. Deal with your junk right now. And so, st- start taking care of your body. Like, now's a good time to even just kind of start thinking about that. I know you got the value meals, going to rock some french fries, I get it. Uh, rinse it down with some voltage. What's up? All right. Well, I know that. But he's saying, like, you need to start taking care of your body right now, you know, thinking about caring for your body right now. Uh, but he's not just talking about your physical stuff. He's talking psychologically, emotionally. That's what he's getting at as well. And so let's just throw out some examples uh, maybe that could apply. He's like, he's telling us, learn how to commit right now, right? Like I watch students, I've been doing this for a while, and I watch students go through so many relationships. I mean, it's like unbelievable. I get it. I see it happening. Um, And sometimes those breakups are good and for good reasons. Um, But sometimes it's just because we can't commit. Um, And he's saying, hey, you need to learn how to commit right now. While you're in college, right? You need to learn how to commit right now before you ruin your first marriage because you don't know how to commit. And you bail when you're 35, right? He's saying learn how to commit right now. Um, Some of you, uh, you need to deal with loneliness. You're extremely lonely. Hey, look, I get it. I've been there, right? You're extremely lonely you need, he's saying you need to deal with that right now. Um, I, I have seen so many lonely girls who, who don't wait on godly men and they get in relationships with people who do not care about Jesus at all because they are extremely lonely. I, I understand that. It's not like, I'm not criticizing, right? What he is telling you to do is deal with your loneliness right now. Like, you need to talk about it. You need to own it. You need to talk to your friends about it. Right? Because if you don't, like, the emotional, spiritual train wreck is coming. And it can, you can work on it now, or you can do it in your mid-30s, or your mid-40s, when a lot of other people are involved. And so deal with your loneliness. Let's keep going. I mean, we could go on for days, by the way. But I'm not. Um, deal with your stuff right now. Like, Denial is powerful. And it is so easy when you're in college to think, man, I'm really okay, I'm good. And you just kind of stuff stuff, you hide it, you pack it away. Um, your heart is deceitful. Um, and, and those kind of things will make you look past all sorts of red flags, especially in relationships. Uh, you'll just kind of bypass red flags and dive into relationships that are not going to be a good thing. Uh, fellas, Lust is going to own you. Lust is going to destroy you. All right? Are y'all listening to me? Lust is going to disintegrate you. 
All right? It is. And so what he is saying to you is deal with it right now. Like, you need to start dealing with it right now. I read an article recently. It blew my mind. Um, it came out of Japan, out of all places. Interesting. Anyway, it, it basically put together all this research that showed um, pornography is more addictive than cocaine. And guys wonder why they can't stop looking at it. Right? Okay, it's going to destroy you. And so you, you've got to start talking to somebody. Like, you've got to be honest about your stuff. And you've got to go and be vulnerable with at least one other guy and say, dude, I'm in a mess. I'm, I'm struggling. You need to go to a pastor. It doesn't have to be me. There's great guys out there. Find somebody. You've got to start that fight now because you will destroy your marriage one day. You will destroy your kids one day. Like, it's serious. And so start that fight now. Talk to somebody right now. Um, some of you hate your family. Can we talk about that for a second? Can we be real? I'm not going to call your parents. Um, some of you hate them. Uh, some of you hate your dad. And you know what you do? You smile all the time. You just smile all the time. And so what I'm saying is you you got to start owning that stuff. you got to start talking to people about those kind of things. And we could go on and on and on, right? What he is saying to you, and I think it's some of the best advice and I hope pride isn't going to clog your ears, is he is saying you need to start dealing with your stuff right now. Like there's no better time than 2015 right now. Uh, Whatever it is that you struggle with, whatever it is that you hide, whatever it is that hurts, I have things that hurt. I get that. Like whatever that thing is, things you don't want anybody to know, you you need to start dealing with them right now because it will not get any better or easier. Is that helpful? I love you. I hope that was gentle. I, I love you. Like, I, I, want, I want to encourage you with that. I think that's really good counsel. Well, let's keep going. All right. Let's look at chapter 12, verse 1. Great, great verse. I'm just going to read it to you. We're going to pause for a second. Uh, he goes, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Here's one of the things I appreciate about this guy. Um, is he tells us to live life to the fullest. And then immediately tells us to remember our creator. I think that is super important. I think it's brilliant, actually. Uh, because what he is making and helping us see is a connection. Uh, that we cannot live life to the fullest without being connected to our Creator. That's what he's driving home. We're going to try in all kinds of ways. But he's reminding us, yeah, you need to live life to the fullest, and it's not going to happen unless you're connected to your Creator. Like, he's calling us to live a God-centered life, to to remember God in everything we do, right? And so, let's, let's think about this. It's going to kind of combine some of the previous application and what he says now. Uh, right now is the time in your life to make Jesus a priority. It's not something you need to put off till next month, till next year, till after you graduate, till after you're done with grad school. Jesus is always getting rescheduled in college. Jesus, uh, he's getting rescheduled for an assignment. He's getting rescheduled for a paper. Look, I've been there. I'm a stu- I was a student. I did grad school. 
Okay, I'm not criticizing. Let's just keep it real. That's what we do up in here. Um, how many times are we going to cancel on Jesus to study an exam, to study for an exam? Like, how many times are we going to do that? Like, how many times are we going to cancel on Jesus to do a project that you waited until the last minute to do? Right? You procrastinated, and now there's something you were going to do. The church had a function, and you drop it because you've you got to do this project. I mean, how many times are we going to cancel on Jesus? Um, often, I remember this when I was college. I see this in my own life. Uh, I'm pointing the finger just as much to myself here, okay? Um, often, Jesus is something we put in our life when it is convenient. And so that means when you're in college, Jesus is never going to be super convenient because you're going to always have projects. You're going to always have assignments. You're going to always have the next thing to do, the job, the class, Right? You get what I'm saying? Uh, and it's so easy for us to try to fit him in when it's convenient, and the next thing you know, it's, it's never super convenient. Uh, and so he's always getting canceled. He's always getting rescheduled. And so this guy, he's saying to us, to you, now is the time, right now, 2015, to make God your first and highest priority. I mean, he's got some good, loving, in-your-face instruction. Um, while you're young, while you're in college, because it will not get easier. I have kids. I promise you, it will not get easier. It will not be convenient. And Jesus will get, he'll get shoved to the side because I got a diaper to change, because I got a preschool trip to make. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm tired, because I want to watch Jimmy Fallon. There's always something, all right? Okay, so to make his point, he tells us to remember your creator, and then he's going to make his point. I love this. He writes a poem. It's great. He writes a poem about growing old. And so if you ever want to make your point, maybe poetry is what you should do. Um, so I'm going to start reading in verse 2, and as we kind of go to verse 7, I'll just make comments as we go. Because it's really a be- like literary people say this is beautiful. I'm, a, I'm not a literary guy. But it's cool. All right, let's roll with it. Starting verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. Okay, what he's talking about is growing old. The keepers of the house tremble. He's talking about your arms. Y'all have seen that with older people in your family. Uh, the strong man stoop, legs are bent, legs don't work like they used to. And then you got this, the grinders cease to be caught, they cease because they are few. I'm talking about teeth. Guys, this, this is bad, all right? The teeth, no, they don't work because you don't have any. Uh, and those looking through the windows grow dim. What do you think that's? Vision, eyes, absolutely. Um, let's keep going. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. So it's a combination of things. One, you can't hear. (laughs) I know it's kind of funny, but it it actually sucks. Just ask any 80-year-old. And and keep going. What? I love this one phrase because it says, When men rise up at the sound of birds... You can't sleep. My granddad is always up at 3 a.m. It's so weird. But he's like, I can't sleep, man. And so he's up. And it's not fun. He doesn't like it. 
Let's keep going. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred, then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. And so verse 5 is describing a couple things. One, there's fear. Growing old, there's a lot of fear associated with growing old. It's actually sad. Uh, they're, they're scared to even get out of the house because it is dangerous. Dangerous for them, dangerous for other people. And so there's a lot of fear. Uh, the grasshopper drags himself along. I'm pretty sure that's about collapsing. And like not just a collapse, but you are dying. Because a grasshopper dragging himself was soon to die. And so it's, I mean, it's really a sad picture. Um, and desire no longer is stirred. No sex. That's essentially what's going on there. There could be a, maybe another, it could be other desires, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's sex. Like, it just doesn't work anymore, guys. And uh, it's sad. I think it is really interesting, and I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to make any jokes about this, but I think it's so interesting that Solomon says no sex at the very end. Like, my arms are trembling, I got no legs, no teeth, but the last thing that's going to go is sex. It's hilarious. Anyway, he was a sex machine, so... All right, let's keep going. Uh, I just think that's weird, actually, and funny. All right, verse 6. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, um, or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Uh, Verses 6 to 8 kind of continue to describe death as when something beautiful is broken. And that's exactly a great picture because life is ending. Not just that, but I I think it's interesting that he talks about things being severed, things being torn. And that's also what happens at death because your soul is literally taken from your body. Like your body goes into the grave and your soul goes to be with Jesus. That is was never the way God intended it to be, but FYI. Like, God made us body and soul very much intertwined, not to be separated. And so it's a real tragic picture here. Um, and so in this section, he says, remember your creator. He says, remember your creator now before what? Before all these things happen to you, is what he's getting at. Like, remembering our creator, making him the highest priority before we grow old, is one of the most important things we can do uh, in life. Uh, Philip Ryken, a guy I quoted earlier, says, he had this great section in this book I was reading. He says, remember your creator now while you still have your wits about you. Still charting your course. Remember your creator now before you forget who made you and you make a lot of bad decisions that you will regret later. And he keeps going, remember God now while you still have a whole lifetime to live for his glory. Man, that's, that's good advice. And it's so unfortunate that many remember too late. They remember their creator too late. Um, all right, so throughout this passage, we kind of bust through it real quick. Uh, the writer... His big idea has been don't, and he's an old dude at this point. Like he's saying, don't waste your youth. 
Like, he's told us to rejoice. Like, really enjoy your youth. Live life to the fullest within, like, godly boundaries, right? He's told us to remove anxiety. Uh, Like, he's saying, deal with things now. Deal with things in your life that trouble you physically and emotionally. And lastly, he told us to what? We just talked about it. Remember our Creator. Um, he, and so you can think about it like this. He's saying, hey, live deeply and love Jesus. Right? Like, don't waste your youth. Enjoy it. Make it count. But then be ready to kind of move on to the next season and finish well. It's kind of what he's getting at. Like, nobody wants to be like Uncle Rico. All right? Nobody wants to be like Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite, uh, who lives in a camper van and is always talking about 1982 when he could throw a pigskin a quarter mile. They could throw a pigskin over a mountain. Like, nobody wants to be that guy who just can't let go of the glory days, right? That's not what he's getting at. The author here in these verses is giving us, I mean, like really great instruction. Like, really great advice for young people. I mean, like, he's given us a list of really godly stuff to do. Um, but the reality is, when you look at this list and you think about just your week, uh, like, we'll, we'll fail to do it at some point. Uh, we'll fail to do some of this stuff. Like, we will fail this week, all of you, including myself. I'll probably fail before I get home. We will fail this week to remember our Creator. Like, At some point, he will not be a priority this week. And despite our failure to remember, God will never forget us. That, like, God remembers you despite how messed up you are, right? I mean, that's that's what's so great about Christianity. That's what I love about Jesus so much is our salvation never depends on our performance, Like, our salvation does not depend on our remembering. Yes, we should. Yes, it's good. You should go do all these things. But our salvation does not depend on it or on our remembering. Rather, the security of our salvation, right, is in God's promise to always remember us. That's the security to our salvation. That God will always remember us. Despite our failure, despite our sin, no matter what, he will always remember us. And that salvation can be yours. Like, it can be ours by trusting in the God who will never forget. The God who will never leave. The God who will never forsake you. Even when you forget him. That's amazing. That is really amazing. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Ecclesiastes and just that you speak to us through all sorts of ways and books. And thank you for Jesus um, who came and who will never forget us. Would we be changed by his love for us? Would we be compelled to love the way he has loved us? I pray in Jesus' name, amen.